0: So I said we are delighted to have Omari Hosang here today. Uh, She is a native of Birmingham, Alabama, and she spent the last decade committed to not-for-profit initiatives throughout the Deep South. She graduated in 2012 with a Bachelor of Science in Community Psychology and a minor in Philosophy. Um, Directly after her graduation, she began an internship at the headquarters of the American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organizations, or the AFL-CIO, in Washington, D.C., there, she officially became a member and proponent of the labor movement, learning that even in progressive spaces, racism was both rampant and normalized. And we have dealt with some of that internal stuff in our own denomination recently, so we we, we get that and we're working on it. Um, despite this disappointment, she became entrenched in workers' rights throughout the United States. Omari moved back to Birmingham and founded the Birmingham Elevated Heart Action Movement, or BEHIM, a community incubator for urban high schoolers. After recognizing that a street component of the school program was necessary, Omari created a community mobilization model called All Streets, All People, or ASAP. It was created for Birmingham, but it was first implemented here in Shreveport. And it's currently operating in those two states with the intent to grow regionally, nationally, and globally. ASAP is a theory of change that seeks to gather a critical mass of everyday people to abolish crime and poverty. The root cause framework encompasses four key drivers of crime and poverty. The phrase, program rich but system poor, drives the work of ASAP volunteers, subject matter experts, and concerned citizens. Would you welcome, please, Omari Hossain.
1: Thank you everyone um i want to in her absence thank reverend Gerald for allowing me to come here and speak um i'm excited and inspired to hopefully share some words that can be inspiring to you and thank you to my lovely friend susan uh, for preparing me for today and being welcoming but thank you to everyone in here i've i'm just really filled with emotion because it's Everyone was welcoming, friendly. Um, Feel like I've been here several times before. Um, But it's just such a good service. It's a good service. I come from the Baptist tradition. And um, it's just good, it's just good. (laughs) So, um, but before I get started into uh, the insights I wanna share today, I wanna first thank some special people that are here with me, my mother, who traveled all the way from Alabama. Um, um, The two little ones who ran out uh, for children's service, Quest and Ian, and of course my significant other who's been by my side, Erskine. Thank you. Well, happy Women's History Month. Just the other day, we had International Women's Day. And for me, the cool thing, Susan Names, Cassie, and Susan Bettinger, and Miss Tina Hines up there, and uh, Lori Lyons, the the significant thing for me is to stand beside women who are making history in the here and now. For me, that's my women's history. Um, So that's awesome. So this leads me today to talk about the spirit of change. My iteration of the spirit of change in many ways mirrors the definition of spirituality I found on Google.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it is, it is defined as the quality of being concerned with the human spirit and the soul as opposed to material or physical things. Yet, it is my belief that the true value of the human spirit can be measured by the impact it has on our physical world. Natural political movement has shown an activation of the human spirit in opposition to the same kind of destructiveness that we see tucked away in the poverty of our cities, towns, and schools. Dr. King once said, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner reaches of his soul and sign with the pen in ink of self-asserted manhood, his own emancipation proclamation. Not only is this a message for us all, it is one spoken version of the best our human spirit can and has accomplished and the power of the spirit of change. History has shown us time and time again, women who were consumed by that spirit of change, we're moving. None are so dynamically etched in my mind like the image of Harriet Tubman. With that shotgun held protectively and warningly to the back of the enslaved, she ushered to freedom. She shepherded to freedom from slavery. Death was a more readily available option. Turning back was not. I'm no Bible scholar. But the scriptures move me. So today, I have two that I want to share. So Ezekiel 34, we hear of shepherd and sheep. Verse 2, woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Verse 4, you have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or or searched for the lost. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for wild animals. Gone are the days when we can reject the responsibility the spirit of change gifts us. History and pragmatism has shown us what happens when we shirk our duty to act. Change, like any other intangible and powerful spirit, works in mysterious, mysterious ways. And in my life, it has worked in many ways. I want to share three specifically today. First, it showed me the task of transformation means we are not picked, we are chosen. Second, in order to affect the sort of substance substantive change we must see. I must, we must look it dead in the face and deal with it head on. Third, the spirit of change calls us not only to construct but also to destroy. We are not picked, we are chosen. Chosenness, if you will is an indescribable feeling of, or urge to do something about a problem that you see. No one can tell you that you are the one. As King said, no one can do this for us. The startling difference between being picked and being chosen did not make sense to me until recently, but is best illustrated by an occurrence that took place 16 years ago. I was beginning class as a sixth grader at my new school, A college prep tucked away in the hills of Birmingham, Alabama, appropriately called Altamont. It was the epitome of elitism. As one of only three African-American girls in my class, very soon to be two by graduation, we had the pleasant experience of being picked. Like for a game of pick-me-up for a sports encounter. We were chosen for teams we didn't even know existed. Yeah. I will always remember the day I overheard, which one did you want? As they made the selection among the three of us, which one of us was most appealing for friendship and why? Were these characteristics immutable? I cannot say without a doubt, whether it was simply our newness or our otherness that took away our ability to choose who we would befriend. Yet, from that experience, I learned through the years the spirit of change that moves ever so smoothly will allow you to be picked so that ultimately you can recognize you have been chosen. Being chosen gives you a choice that slowly evolves into an imperative to act. Being picked takes away the choice, and therefore the power of your conviction. Only the convicted can incarcerate the mission. In order to effect any sort of transformation, you must look the monster in the face and deal with it. Joshua chapter 7, verse 5. The men of Ai defeated Israel. Where in verse 6, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord remaining there till evening. Verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up, what are you doing on your face? Over the last year alone, I have learned the art of disenfranchisement and the power of dignity. My mama can tell you about her father, my grandfather. He was a dignified man, born in 1916 in Anniston, Alabama. He was a sharecropper at the age my son is now, all the way until he joined the army and fought in World War II as a military officer. Like so many African-American men of that time, he came back home to a nation that was willing to risk his life, but not provide for the quality of the same. Despite that, he built a life that I still benefit from today. Though he is past, his legacy remains. Though his beginnings were humble, and some may say his ending was humble, it is apparent to me that his dignity was his strength. This is why disenfranchisement is so important to destruction. Carter G. Woodson said, author of The Miseducation of the Negro, he famously said, when you control a man's thinking, you don't have to worry about his actions. Our struggle to survive affords us so much to lose. I understand the teacher who remains silent, even though teaching conditions impact the lives of her students, because jobs, money, livelihood can be threatened. It will be threatened. It has been threatened. So much of my work in the last few months even has been working with concerned citizens to create protective structures that bring light to the injustices within education. Informed by the perspective of the boots on the ground, our educators, our support personnel in our schools, and our administrators, and well, not and, but without putting them in the position of retaliation, intimidation, or termination. If some of us cannot stand up and turn our faces forward, then the remainder of us must. This is why we are collecting over a 1,000 signatures in support of educators in Cattle Parish Schools to be presented March 20th to the Cattle Parish School Board, and the community at large. I hope that you all can join us uh, for those signatures. Third, the spirit of change will call us to destroy. (coughs) Joshua chapter 7, verses 11 and 12. Israel had sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. It has long been acknowledged that what holds us back as cities, as nations, as people, is the very same thing that is destroying us from the inside out. Like an apology that we refuse to share ruins the man who refuses to give it, our best selves are twisted up in the foolishness of the wrong kind of resistance. The spirit of change weighs on the spirit of destruction. It is stronger, it is more powerful, and it's here to stay. If I may, in closing, read an excerpt from a poem by the poet Sumner Lincoln Fairfield, Abaddon, The Spirit of Destruction. Hurled from the pinnacle of glory, from seraph throne, from love, from heaven and hope, the matchless mind that consummated bliss when over the crystal fountain of his soul, hovered ethereal purity and smiled now sealed the utter madness of his doom. Memo, the star-eyed child of paradise. Rushed over the burning realm of banished thought, raining her scorpion arrows, shame, remorse, vain penitence, and hatred of himself, haunted the altar of his soul and offered up the sacrifice of death that found no mercy and could never die. So self-development, the internal that we struggle with is so important. My morning mantra when I get up early enough uh, (laughs) before I have to take my child to school at 7.30. I steal away before I pray and I meditate. And I meditate on these words, and I'm just gonna list them. And hopefully they'll inspire you in your own personal way. Heal. Seek, find, reflect, release, renew, recognize, realize, cherish, humble, help, love, transcend, expand with peace, patience, passion, persistence, power, and prayer. For it is these words that program me to protect my person from destruction, both self and systematically inflicted. Through this repetitive process, I am priming myself to destroy a deadly entity that grows from within. As we train our spirits, our faith grows, our work expands. We break down barriers that keep us separated and we become a physical and spiritual force that truly must be dealt with. When the time is right, the spirit of change will work against the enemy, cultivating an environment that makes way for change makers to do what we are called to do. That time is now. As what we seek to change evolves into a more massive, more pervasive, less easily identifiable monstrosity, our ability to cope with and ultimately destroy it must grow. As we practice with the deepest sense of ourselves, spirituality, you must always remember the spirit of change holds true to the same scientific law that binds energy. The spirit of change can be moved, but never destroyed. So as we say in the Baptist church, let the spirit move you. Thank you.